This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Are we recording? Yes. Sweet. Let's start this, Mother. Hi. Hi. We're in a hotel room that looks like it could be in The Shining. Yeah, this is like um, the smallest conference room. This is like a child's conference room. Oh, yes. Also, this is my favorite murder. Oh, hi. The mini-sode. We're doing a mini-sode on the road. Yeah. Well, but we're downtown Los Angeles. I mean. We're at PodFest, LA PodFest. Yeah. Uh, it'll be over by the time you hear this. <laughs> it was great. Everybody killed it. Thanks for coming. So many people. Met uh, so many lovely people. We really did. This is the uh, the mini-sode where we read you back your hometown murders that you email us at murder at gmail. And this week we're doing it in a room that is the true colored of mu- color of mustard mm-hmm. in the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. This was last painted in 1974, I will guess. <laughs> yes. So we've got a deep... Uh, French's situation happening. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the carpet is going to give me a seizure yes. from its busyness. Yep. Are we in Twin Peaks or The Shining? This is a, a hybrid crossover. Um, kind of like today's marijuana, where they have taken the worst of two things <laughs> and combined them to give you a heart attack. Listen, do look, you want, look and listen. Don't to the things pot. that you can't see over here. <laughs> Let us describe it in vivid detail for you. Have you ever had a bird shit on your car and there is, <laughs> yes, it's black, yes, it's white, but there's a very, very tiny strand, like light strand of yellow. That's the color of these walls. It's the kind of thing where when you cut into an egg at a shitty diner, you're like, that's not the right color of egg yolk. Yeah. But somebody that designs rooms at this hotel was like, that's exactly the right color. That's the one. It goes great with the burgundy and tan carpet. Uh, with kind of like um, leafy medallions, like somebody's getting a carpeting award, but it's on the ground and it's <laughs> permanently. You never actually get it. You just have to look down. I mean, let's be at least Stevens here and we can just... Stephen gaze upon him. Stephen um, secured this room for us. Yep. And uh, so, of course, we're eternally grateful and in no way <laughs> have a lack of gratitude. It's not totally his fault. What if the designer here at the <gasps> Biltmore Hotel is a listener and she is weeping openly right now? She's like, that color mustard was the Pantone color of the year in 2007. <laughs> She's a ghost. Hey, <laughs> she was a ghost when she designed this room. Yeah. So, which means she sees in black and white. So she doesn't even know what color this She's is. She's like a dog. She picked these beautiful. She said, let's not go with natural lighting. Let's no. go with fluorescent. Got to go fluorescent if you're in a conference room. Listen, fluorescent fucking 
recessed lighting. This is like the smallest bat mitzvah ever <laughs> thrown for any Jewess. Definitely. Uh, it's this is if you are an orphan Jewess. Mm-hmm. You turn fourteen, mm-hmm. and your distant aunt is like, "No, we're going to the Biltmore, but we only need one table." <laughs> but we want our own room. One tiny table. Oh, that's the other thing is there's one tiny table. Yeah, this it barely holds the three of us, and it's in a it's in a banquet there's room. There's four chairs. One is empty, and it's for the ghost who designed it's this for room. For the ghost decorator, they were like interviewing people, and they're like, "Well, that first guy wearing the neckerchief seemed like he knew his stuff, but I like the lady you could see through. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to her. <laughs> she needs a job. Yeah. She looks hungry." <laughs> All right, should we do this? Let's do it. Did you hear me belt directly into the microphone just no, now? No, because you did it very subtly. Thank you. I was, it was a, a ghost burp. We just went, we just went to Tender Greens. Tender Greens for when you want to belch. <laughs> it's just a short ad. Okay, ready? <laughs> this first one says the subject line is Buckeyes and nursing ghost stories. Stephen. If this nursing ghost story is about a dead baby nursing its dead mother, I'm going to get really mad at no, you. No, he's shaking his head now. <clears throat> okay. Hello, lovely ladies and nicely stashed Stephen. Parentheses and adorable animals. He's picking these now so that he gets complimented. Absolutely. Look at all you of can these. Tell. Steven. Steven. Okay. It was such a pleasure to see all three of you in Detroit, and I'm still on cloud nine from the meet and greet. <laughs> Why are you making it. fun of her? <laughs> um, oh, sorry, but I, it's kind of funny. Yeah. What are you, from the 60s? Anyway, she loves it. I, she loves it when I give her shit. Okay. I'm a critical care nurse in a medical intensive care unit. Basically, critical care, critical care is where people are on life support and on continuous life-saving medications. Yay. In my hospital, which is approximately four, 1,400 beds, oh my God. we account for 30% of all <gasps> hospital deaths and average a death a day. Oh, they it's, should get better at their jobs. Well, no, I don't think they can. <laughs> That's not the point. It's, at a certain point, there's no getting around sure. it. Between death and dying and being a murderino, I have some odd dinner topics. Ooh, <laughs> love her. <clears throat> Considering how many deaths we've had, needless to say, there's been some odd things that have happened. We had a patient whose last name was Izod, changed, uh, name changed for medical privacy re- reasons. Oh, so that's a fake name. Okay. Um, I hope. Uh, and was with us for three weeks. The patient died in a not very pleasant way. And the next patient in that room was talking to himself. One of my fellow nurses went into the room and asked the new patient who he was talking to. He pointed to one of the corners and said, oh, just my friend, Izod. <gasps> there was also one room which three different patients all said, there are seven people in this room. Oh, my God. The patients were all admitted months apart from each other. But the fact that they all said the same thing is just beyond crazy. They, uh, mm-hmm. A handful of us feel like different rooms feel worse than others. Either the weight of the room feels heavy or there's a weird smell. <laughs> then tonight. Well, no shit. Are you all right? Then tonight, one of our alarms showed a dying heartbeat. <sighs> a bunch of us ran into the room and realized... The room was empty. No, no. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. This room just creeped me out yeah, even more. This, it's getting mustardier in here. <laughs> it was a great waveform, the heartbeat tracing on the monitor. So beep, mm-hmm. beep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wanted to do that. You knew what I was talking about, and I explained it anyway. Immediately. No, no, no. Um, you got it. But no one was attached to it. What? Uh-huh. That happened three <gasps> different times. My husband and I are huge comedy nerds. Every time you bring up Joe DeRosa, I always chuckle. We talked to him for a little bit last year during the Edberg Fringe Festival huh. uh, because he recognized my husband. I appreciate all three of you so much. Say sexy. 
do your advanced directives, and watch out for spirits in the critical care unit. <laughs> Crystal in Cleveland. Crystal Cleveland. Oh my God, that was scary. Beautiful. I love it. This room is haunted. Right. It's haunted with that one blue sequence on the ground. Oh my God. That fell off the bat mitzvah's yep. dress. That's the um, the clown that the bat mitzvah great aunt hired. Mm-hmm. Who murdered all of them? <gasps> okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's so that one. was more ghosty, really. That was good. That was a ghosty. A good ghosty, Stephen. Mm-hmm. All right. This is just... Okay, here we go. Hello. I just started listening to the My Favorite Murder podcast, and I love it. In the first few episodes, you ask listeners to send murder stories. Oh, guess what, Olivia? We keep doing it. Yeah. It uh, happens the whole time. <laughs> from their hometowns. I'm not sure if you're still doing that. Oh, this bitch hasn't listened at all. Girl, you listened to one and got out. I thought I would send a few over. Oh. Let's just go right to this one. Near the town where my dad grew up, about 15 minutes away from where I live now, there was a serial killer who murdered two women in the 80s. His name is James. His name is James Kodach. He had been previously arrested for the murder of his roommate when he lived in Florida. After 11 years, he got out of jail and moved to Morristown, New Jersey. And two months after moving, he murdered Amy Hoffman. She had been kidnapped from a shopping mall and stabbed. Her body was found in a water tower. Ooh. Ooh. Twelve days later, Deirdre O'Brien, who had gone to school with my dad and aunts, was kidnapped from her car and stabbed. I believe Kodach put sirens on his car and pretended to be a police officer pulling her over. I hate that one. Not fair. Not fair. Uh, Kodach, I don't know if I'm even saying that close to right, but I'm fine. I sound confident about it. That's all that matters. He was arrested after he cut himself and went to the police claiming that the man who was murdering women in town had tried to kill him. What the fucking... How about about just stay away from the police station, dipshit? I mean, I don't want to give him advice on how to not get caught. No, that would be a bad idea. (laughs) But still. That's that's how bossy and controlling I am. I even want to give people advice on how to not get caught being a serial killer. I want to tell you why you're wrong for having been caught. That's right. Even though I want you to get caught. I just see it so clearly that I feel like you would benefit from my wisdom. Everyone needs to take our advice. Yeah. The police instantly knew something was off, you think? And quickly realized... Kodach, Kodach was murdered, had murdered the two women. My aunt, my mom also grew up in the area and remembers not being allowed to go out at night while this was happening. Wow. My dad worked at the gas station in the area during high school. After Kodach was arrested, he realized that he had been buying cigarettes from him at this gas station on a relatively consistent basis. Ugh. Not sure to how to end this email with a subject matter this dark. Well, I hope you enjoy, question mark, my hometown murders. I love your podcast, Olivia. Olivia, it's not, first of all, yes, we did. I mean, the word isn't enjoy, but what it is, is holy shit. We're holy shitting along with you. Yeah. Isn't it weird how many serial killers you've never heard of? Yes, because there's so many. So many. But also I would say this. Isn't serial killer, it's three or more? Yeah. He almost made it. He could have. He's just a plain old lunatic. He would have done it if he didn't slit his own wrists or whatever. That's right. If he didn't get his weird plan of... Uh, trying to make himself look like a victim? Yeah. You nut. Okay. <laughs> the subject line of this one is Bernardo plus Molka plus six mm. degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <clears throat> Hello, MFM family. Smiley face Great. icon made with punctuation. I attended the live show in Toronto last night and was blown away by your coverage of the Bernardo Homolka story. Oh, that was mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I remember. <laughs> one... 
which is so well known in Canada, it's hard to believe there was more to learn from it. But your sh- during your show, I did. Well, that's the ultimate compliment. Yeah. Because the reason I was redoing it is because I fucked it up so badly the first time. That means the world. The fact that you told them stuff that they don't know after having followed this case for de- like what, a decade. Oh, my God. How rewarding. Compliment. It almost makes me think I should do research all the time. <laughs> I thought a very interesting bit was when you mentioned at the end that Carla Molka took on the assumed name of Leanne Teal. That's interesting and extremely creepy because both Bernardo and Homolka adopted the Teal name either right after they mm-hmm. married or just before Bernardo's trial. Bernardo adopted that from a little known movie starring Kevin Bacon. I do know this <gasps> movie entitled Criminal Law. Did you ever see it? No. Also starring, it's from 1988, also starring Gary Oldman. Um, who knew there was six degrees of Kevin Bacon with the Bernardo Homolka murders? Oh my God. I think the fact that Homolka readopted the name after she was freed is extra creepy and a nod to the fact that she definitely had no problem participating in the murders. This article, article also described Paul Bernardo's attempt to release self-published books via Amazon and the immediate bl- backlash that happened when he did that. Oh, she included a live link. Um, I think it's, that's what she's talking about. The article. Mm-hmm. One more thing. Stacey Mae Fowles is a fantastic writer. That's the girl that I did the quote from who wrote that great article. I was unaware you mentioned it, um, that she had written that article in the walrus, but came to know her from her other writings, her Twitter account and her newly released book, baseball life advice, which, um, which chronicles her journey through depression and anxiety and how she alleviated that via following baseball in the Toronto Blue Jays specifically. It's hmm. a great read. I thought you should know. Hmm. That's awesome. Uh, as always, thank you for everything you do in your amazing show last night. SSDGM, Adam. You know, it's so interesting about the teal thing that he's mentioning now that we know is that she was, she was giving a message to him, to him, to him, for sure. That's even like though they doing an inside joke. They she broke up with him. She was like, "I want nothing to do with him. I had nothing. He made me do these murders." Yeah, you know, she had to show that to the public. No, she was like inside joke, inside fucking joke. And also, that actually is such a good movie. It's along the lines of um, "Presumed Innocent," mm-hmm. the Harrison Ford movie. Where you really don't know, you are being led to believe mm-hmm. that Kevin Bacon is this evil murderer. Don't don't tell anyone else. Okay, I'm gonna watch it. It's really good. It's just one of those like you you kind of don't know what's going on the whole time, and it's really good. Love it. But also, yeah, that's fucked up because they basically that's being like, I'm gonna move to Montreal and change my name to Clary Starling. Yeah, I mean it's <gasps> it, but yeah. that's what it is. But it's like because my ex will know. Yeah. Ew. Grody. They just continued to disgust. All these years later. But she's the worst part is she's out of prison. That's right. All right. This is called Fingerprint Dust Date Night, Detroit. What did you? Sorry. Fingerprint Dust Date Night. Oh. Don't know what that's going to mean. I'm loving it. Hello, ladies. Steven. And adorable animals. <laughs> We're on to you, Stephen. Um, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, not only for bringing true crime fans out of the shadows, but for your hilarious commentary, support of friendship, and honesty about your struggles with mental health and addiction. Nope, she wrote addition. <laughs> your mental health and addition. Oh, well, all those additions you keep putting on your apartment? Well, we always say <laughs> how bad we are at math. <laughs> so she's not wrong. My idea is like, it's the Winchester Mystery House where we keep, additions. we just keep building additions. Additions. And we don't know subtraction. And we cannot add 
Huh. As someone who is trying to be open about my own troubles with mental health hearing, each episode brings me a feeling of solidarity. I have to say that I love Stephen's voice too, smiley face. Stephen! Stephen! Stop adding shit in. Uh, Tina Belcher, get on that mic and let the people hear your voice. He doesn't have one! Oh. oh. Hi. <laughs> Sexy, <laughs> the sexiest. My interest in true crime started at a fairly, fairly young age, thanks to my father. My dad, while an amazing man, did not always know how to filter or word things for kids. Even now, I have to remind him that NCIS and Blue Bloods aren't really age-appropriate viewing material for my five-year-old. Yeah, not really. My grandfather was a mounted police officer in Detroit. Oh, and my father always wanted to follow in his footsteps. In 1967, while in college, my dad was hired as a campus police officer for the East for Eastern Michigan University. During the co-ed murders in Ypsilanti, the various police forces banded together to try to locate the serial killer, later found to be John Norman Collins. I fucking, there's a great book called um, Michigan Murders about Ooh. this whole case. It's wow. really good. My dad was very was a very eager officer and was thrilled to join the investigation. Due to his hardworking nature, as well as my dad's physical appearance and age, the police officers felt that he could be very helpful in undercover operations. When Collins was arrested for Karen Sue Benjamin's murder, the police believed that he had an accomplice, Andrew Julian Manuel, who was on the run. In an effort to trap that accomplice, my father was assigned to live in John Norman, she wrote John Normal Collins, <laughs> apartment undercover in hopes that in hopes of catching the accomplice when he returned as he lived in the same boarding house. Ooh. My mother remembers helping my father pack up Colin's belongings and cleaning up the fingerprint dust that still remained from the investigation. I have to say, the thought of my dad living undercover for several months in an effort to catch a murderer always blows me away. I didn't know that that happened in the case. That's amazing. My dad's stories of this of his time as a police officer during college fascinated me, and this interest in John Norman Collins is what spread it to a larger interest in true crime. My aunt, who went to the same college at the time, actually met Collins. At one point, he had given her roommate a ride on his motorcycle, which is one of the ways he got women to come with him mm-hmm. and killed them, and offered my aunt a ride as well. My aunt specifically remembered the look in his eyes made her uncomfortable. And despite his attractiveness, because he was super fucking hot. That's what hot, I was just going to say. He was the hot guy, right? Dude, so hot. Yeah. She declined. Politely, I believe. No fuck, fuck politeness <laughs> needed. Well, <laughs> uh, later it was discovered that Collins often offered girls rides as a way to abduct them. So my aunt went with her gut, stayed sexy, and did not get murdered. Amazing. The picture of where John Normal Collins lived at the time of the last of the murders he committed was pictured in a recent book, Terror in Ypsilanti by Gregory um, Forner. The picture is attached. Da, 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 da. My dad and mom remember t- talking to the landlady about Collins often, and she always swore up and down, Johnny was such a nice boy. <laughs> of course. Right. Yes. Anyway, sorry for the long hometown murder. I can't wait to see you guys this week in Detroit. Already happened. SSDGM, Katie. Oh, yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. Do we do one more? Yeah. Let's do one more. <clears throat> okay. Do we have a live guest? A ghost just came in the door. Ghost. Um, okay. Georgia, is there anything scarier than trying to log into an account and it tells you that your password is incorrect? And then you try again and it's the same thing. And after a few more failed attempts, big red letters appear saying you've been locked out and your account is suspended. That happens to me all the time, Karen. But 
scary password stories can have happy endings if you give 1Password a try. 1Password is a user-friendly password management system. It's trusted by consumers, families, small businesses, and large-scale enterprises. If you're tired of being the family member everyone texts for a streaming login or the unofficial keeper of all those shared work credentials, it's time for you to pass the torch to 1Password. They allow for secure login sharing. With 1Password, you can securely store more than just passwords, autofill everything from usernames to payment details and personal info. They'll also notify you about potential data breaches. 1Password saves everyone time. And in many cases, that save time equals money saved. The accounting department will thank you. Don't just listen to us. I mean, you should, but don't just do that. The Associated Press uses 1Password to secure their sensitive information in high-risk areas. Right now, our listeners can get a two-week free trial at onepasswordcom MFM. That's two free weeks at one, as in the number one, password.com mfm onepassword.com slash mfm goodbye all right the subject line of this is a it's a toronto hometown i worked with the angel of death when i was 15 oh my god uh hi gang i got a wicked hometown murder about a serial killer nurse for y'all where are you from uh when i was 15 i because that's boston and that's the south totally this person is actually from toronto she's from all over she's that's right she's an army brat yeah okay when i was 15 i worked as a student nurse's aide at this super shady nursing home in woodstock ontario cool no not the woodstock this one is the dairy capital of canada (laughs) same that's what i was thinking of yeah I love to learn. Mm. So there was this nurse at the home named Beth Elizabeth and then full name Elizabeth Wetlofer. And I worked with her from 2010 to 2013, which happened to be right smack dab in the middle of her active killing spree. <gasps> in 2007, Beth started working at this nursing home. And in that first year, she tried to kill two old lady sisters by injecting them with insulin, but they survived. Apparently, it's pretty hard to accidentally overdose people with insulin. So it's pretty intentional if someone does administer a lethal dose. Mm. Between 2007 and 2014... She killed eight seniors and attempted to kill four more, along with two aggravated assaults from before, making her Canada's first female serial killer. During her confession, Beth said she felt that God was telling her to kill who to kill next or that the seniors were mean and difficult. So she just killed them. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Sorry, that's not it's not funny. It's like, what are you talking about? Right. Um, But that I have a, a nervous reaction that when I'm very upset about things, I just start laughing. That's what this podcast is. That's why we're here. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so you're not mad at me? Oh my God, no. <laughs> after, she was kill- after she killed, she said she felt a cackling from the pit of hell, that's in quotes, within her. And then in parentheses, what the fuck does that even mean? Uh, she apparently had confessed to the murders to a former girlfriend, a pastor, a lawyer, a Narcotics Anonymous sponsor, Dude. and a student nurse, and no one did anything except to tell her to stop or pray for her or some shit. Sorry to give advice again to fucking serial killers, yeah. but don't tell anyone. Right. I mean, and also, if you're going to tell someone because you want to be stopped... Don't pick the lamest people in your in your life. Or the people who won't believe you. Yeah, or the people who kind of don't have the guts to do anything. Yeah. And they're just like, you should pray. You're so silly. What's her name, Margaret? You're so silly. <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> What's her name, Margaret? That <laughs> sounds like a Margaret. <laughs> um, okay. So, 
almost exactly one year ago today, Beth went to a mental health institution in Toronto and fessed up for the sixth fucking time, I might add, and uh, that she'd killed eight old people and they contacted the police. Beth pled guilty and immediately on... Oh, g- pled guilty immediately and on January, on June 26, 2017. Hmm. Like, this was three fucking months ago, you guys. It's crazy. She was sentenced to eight concurrent life sentences in prison with no possibility of parole for 25 years. Wow. Uh, some other weird shit she did while she was actively killing. When asked if rumors about her being a murderer were true, Beth started, quote, laughing hysterically. <laughs> um, As you do. Oh, and then it says in parentheses, cover Elvis's ears for this one. She no. offered to put down her neighbor's sick cat with a lethal, a lethal dose of insulin. No, thanks. Um, she says, parentheses, I'm a student veterinarian. And this one makes me so sad. And then finally, she, pu- she published some weird ass poems online about a woman, quote, quenching her craze. Uh, by stabbing someone to death and another about how much she likes old people quote their wrinkles their frailty their smell knowing this is their last home ew Margaret super fucked up eh I also forgot to mention that Beth went to high school with my mom gotta love small towns fuck politeness and stay out of the forest Amy oh my god that's Super nuts. Margaret, stop killing people. Margaret, you, her name's Elizabeth. Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth Margaret. Stop killing people. Margaret is short for Elizabeth. <laughs> I almost said, really? <laughs> Jesus. I'm so gullible. Um, I think fuck, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Send that's- your hometowns to my favorite murder at Gmail. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Mustard.